Well, tonight we get to put the third thing on the board. And this is what we call, of course, the church life. These are the three great pillars of our work with the second generation. The goal is to produce them as gospel seeds. Seeds of the gospel. In one place, our brother said, in the elementary school, in the junior high school, in the high schools, and on the university campuses, and then in all walks of society, wherever they end up to do a job, they will continue to be a seed of the gospel. They will be sown there. They will be looking around in the cubicles or in their offices. And they will be burdened to pray for certain ones. <clears throat> I would like to give you a little testimony. We began to encourage our young people to do this, to make a list of names and to begin to pray over these lists of names. And even in one time, we encouraged them to include on their list not just their friends at school, but maybe even the names of some young people that were already with us at one time, but have left, have stopped meeting for one reason or another. And I distinctly remember last summer in our summer school of the truth, one of our young sisters, she stood up and even was weeping, a high schooler, that she had been praying over these list of names. And what she realized is this, is that... <clears throat> As she was praying, these names, her friends, these dormant or backslidden young people, that she did not need to do anything, but they were coming to her. They were coming to her to ask her about how to come back to the church or how to know the Lord. That it became very easy for her to begin to reap them because she had started to pray for them. You see, <clears throat> when we lead the, the young people to be seeds of the gospel, our, our, I know what most of the saints are thinking is that we need to lead them into some gospel activities. Let's go to the park and pass out tracts, or let's go to, the, uh, to this place or that place and, and do something. And, you know, this is fine, but that is not what our brother meant when he said seeds of the gospel. And I do have a concern that as we lead our young people into this kind of life of a gospel life, it's not a gospel, it's not a, 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 an assortment of gospel activities. It's a kind of culture, it's an atmosphere, and it's a living so we don't want to take any shortcuts. We have to do this the right way. We have to raise this up in a very organic manner. And the best way is to stir up some organic activity within them for their friends. They all already are concerned about their friends and their friends' salvation. That is already there. Now we just cooperate with that by encouraging them to get a piece of paper 
and write down the names of some of their friends. And you know what? We found out that this is great for our shepherding of them because now when we contact them, we could ask them, who are the ones you're praying for? Let's pray for them together. Let's, uh, I'll pray with you. And then you could pray with me. And even in some of our young people's meetings, we would lead them to do this. We'd bring a pencil for them. We'd bring papers for them. We would help them write down their names, pick a few names. They, are, they have hundreds, you know, hundreds. It's not hard for them to come up with four or five names. We would gather them in small groups of four and five. They would share these names with each other and pray for them. And then, on occasion, we would have an in-reaping meeting uh, for them to invite their friends to hear the gospel. And this was a, a kind of a practice that we did, but we prepared them four or six weeks in advance to get them ready to be praying and and uh preparing their heart and their burden for them. And this was the result that we began to realize as they began to pray over these names, these young people were, were being stirred up. Things were happening in their life and uh, disturb, disturbances or minor crises would take place that would open them and cause them to become seeking. You see, <clears throat> this we felt is the best way, in fact, this was what Brother Lee said, is the way for us to practice. So, this is not just an activity. You see, our young people can participate in a lot of gospel activities and it doesn't have an effect on their life or on their living. We would like to lead them into some things that have that start the organic gears turning in them. This is why we have taken this way. Then, so they are gospel seeds. But you remember this morning when we were fellowshipping about this, we realized something, that if we don't gain them as remaining fruit, we're going to run out of friends to preach the gospel to. Eventually, they're going to bring their friends and bring their friends and nothing really changes. And so we have to face this and we have to learn how to reap them. On one hand, we're quite grateful that they would pray to receive the Lord and even receive eternal life. That is a great, great thing. We would never uh, diminish that. But on the other hand, we realize for us to be able to do this long term, we have to reap, we have to begin bringing some into the church life. And of course, that was what he was talking about, bringing them into the church life, not just leading them to salvation. So as we begin to consider this and face this, we uh, had to ask ourselves, and I touched it a little bit this morning, that our church life in its present form is not really that new ones friendly. We are not that uh, easy for new ones to come into our homes, our small groups, our home meetings, uh, you know, to be really gained there. So you can't have, see, 
These three things uh, are inseparable. You can't have this if you don't have this. And you can't have this if you don't have this. If you have this, you can have this. And if you have this, you can have that. We, you know, <laughs> you got to follow me here. For them to be gospel seeds, they have to have a kind of living, a kind of humanity that will match what they're saying. And then when they begin to reap and gain their friends, they have to have somewhere to bring them. We cannot just bring them uh, to the Lord. And we cannot just uh, bring them even just to a young people's meeting. Uh, they, the, we, we saw this years ago. We understood this, that a work is not a container. The church is the only container we have. A work is not the container. A children's work is not a container. A young people's work, nor is a campus work a container. When you bring them into the young people's work, they're still not in the church yet. And they don't even have a concept of the church. Have you had this experience? We have had this experience. We have young people that grew up in our midst. They grew up in our families, in the church life. They went to the young people's meetings regularly, attended all the conferences, the summer schools of the truth. When they finished high school, they still did not identify themselves with the church at all. They had no feeling about the church. They were very closely related to the young people serving ones, to the young people's work. That's where their friends were. That's where they... Uh, that's where they identified, even they would go off to college. And when they'd come back for a Thanksgiving break or, or Christmas holiday, they did not want to go to the church meeting. They wanted to go to the young people's meeting. We experienced this. We realized that even after we held them in such a good, well-developed young people's work, we were not able, they struggled when they finished and they didn't know where they belonged. They were not in the church life. So we realized that our young people's work, it was like this. And, uh, sorry, I'll erase this. You have the children's work over here. We'll call that the children's work. They're off in this corner or maybe they're downstairs in the, in the dungeon, <laughs> basement, excuse me, and uh, <laughs> sorry, and then you have the young people's work, and they're over here somewhere in another room, and then you have the campus work, and they're down here, and you know these three are like moons, circling the church life, and our church life really has two aspects: you have the corporate in the temple, and you have the house-to-house. -house. So you have these two sides, like two wings of an airplane. You've got to be very balanced. You have to have the corporate church life. You have to have the house-to-house -house church life in order to be a balanced kind of Christian. Well, <clears throat> we realized that as we were laboring, those who were serving in the children's work often did not have a church life. And we, their church life was the children's work. And we also noticed that those who were doing a young people's work were often in a similar kind of situation where their whole church life was involved with the young people. 
Friday night, young people home meeting. Saturday night, young people's meeting. Lord's Day morning, young people's, even young people's table meeting and uh, journey through the Bible or some lesson. And so these serving ones who were in these areas <clears throat> also did not have much of a church life. Their church life was just their work. Um, of course, the campus, through, through help from Austin, in fact, it came probably around 2002 or 2003, we were having some fellowship and it became uh, like a bright light when one of the brothers there, he said this. And it was just, I mean, he would, he, it was just a statement he made, but it was one of those statements that went, it hit me deeply and operated in me for a long time. He said, we don't have a campus work all we have to offer people is the church life. In other words, their church life and their campus work was merged. And what they were doing is they were bridging the students off of the campus right into the home meetings. So physically, saints, where is the church life today? You can say, well, it's the Lord's day. But more than that, the church life is the homes. It's the home meetings and the small group meetings. That's, that is the real and practical church life. Now, <clears throat> this, this is what we realized is that, and, and again, uh, not that this was taught, but it was just our practice, maybe our tradition for so many years that we didn't bother and we didn't even think that the teenagers should be involved in the home meetings of the church. Sometimes parents made them go, but they didn't, we, did not have, we didn't have that thought that they should be there. In fact, we preferred if they were not there, forgive me to say this, because they were not happy to be there. And they didn't fit. And we had a hard time taking care of them or accommodating them. But we realize this when they go to college and they move to Waterloo, right? They're going to need a church life. And so they got to get into a home. they got to get into a group. And so that became very common. And this was very, uh, very helpful to us through the brothers in Austin is that we have to build up a lot of home meetings to accommodate the ones who are coming in from the campuses, but saints, we also need to realize that our children and our young people need to grow up in these home meetings. They need to grow up in the center of the church life. This, you should say, is much too small. It should be like this. <clears throat> Where we'll always have a young people's work. That young people's work will take care of the Saturday night or whatever, Friday night young people's meeting. It will also arrange for young people's conferences and the summer school of the truth. You have to have that. But the primary thing is to get the function, the main function of the young people's work is to get the young people into a practical church life of their own through the home meetings. The campus work is exactly the same. The container is the church. And even in the children's work, we, we are burdened that they would be gospel seeds 
and through them we will contact their friends, their family friends. And so in this aspect, how are we going to reap their friends and the families of their friends unless it's through the home meetings of the church? You see, we found out that in God's wisdom, the way he designed, it was even a new invention. Uh, Saints, it's an amazing thing. At Acts chapter 2, after the gospel was preached on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit invented a new item, a new thing. It was the house-to-house meeting. It was the church life house-to-house. It was a new invention, unprecedented in any culture up until that time. Do you realize that? That the, the Jewish way was to meet in the temple and following that was to have corporate meetings in the synagogue. It was never a house-to-house thing. No religion has ever succeeded in having a house-to-house thing or meeting or church life. But when the Holy Spirit began the church age, He began it in a new way. And so it was an unprecedented move of the Spirit to have house-to-house, day-by-day church life. So it was a new invention. It's an altogether new thing. And so this is, and you could tell that when the church goes into some degradation or turmoil, it's very difficult to continue a house-to-house kind of church life. Always what you end up with is a corporate, congregational type uh, church meeting. And that's how you end up with a going-to-church culture. Okay. So, the church life becomes the center of all the activities, of everything. And this church life has to become so great, so big, so prevailing, that children are being brought into it, young people, campus, co-workers from our jobs. Everything is coming into this church life from every direction uh, because it has become uh, a prevailing kind of atmosphere. Okay. Now, we're talking about children's work, right? So, let's fellowship. Let's come back to the children's work um, uh, so that we stay on on track. But this, saints, is the third pillar of our table or our third leg of our stool. Seeds of the gospel, proper humanity, and church life. Okay? Now, when we come to this lesson tonight, or this message tonight, we're coming to a a principle which we call the scope of the children's work. How broad, how great should the scope of the children's work be? And let, let me explain it this way. The children's work, as opposed to children's meeting, should have three main aspects. And not these. This is... Uh, different. The three areas of the scope of the children's work is number one, in the family, in the, with the parents, mom and dad, and in the household. That is the first, that's part of the children's work. 
Saints, no one is excused here. The parents bear a great responsibility for raising up the children to have the proper humanity for them to uh, uh, be even become gospel seeds. All of this is fostered, molded, shaped, beginning, excuse me, in the families of the saints. Now I know, I know what some of you are thinking, so let me preempt the question, okay? And that is this. There's always a, a kind of a tug-of-war in the churches over, isn't that the parent's responsibility? And what is the parent's responsibility? What is the church's responsibility? Uh, well, we should say it this way. The parent's responsibility is the greatest and most prevailing aspect. They bear the greatest responsibility. Whether it's gospel seeds or proper humanity or church life, the parents, it's on them. It's on them. They have to answer to the Lord. Okay? Now that I said that, listen, we realize that some families are not able to do it. They're not able to bear it. We realize that there are some families that have broken homes. Some families where one of the parents has passed away, where some of the parents are dealing with serious health issues or financial difficulties, there are some situations where there's an unbelieving parent. What about those? Who's going to care for those? If you say, okay, the parents have to do it, the parents have to do it, and the church washes her hands of them, then I'm going to say to you, but what about these ones? The weaker ones. And what about the new ones that come into the church life that don't have that kind of background and that kind of uh, upbringing or, or raising up? Who, who's going to help them? You see, we cannot, the church has to step in. We have to step in to bear a great part of this responsibility because we realize that many of the families are not able to bear this. That is why when we talk about the children's work, uh, it's not just we're dumping all of this responsibility on the families. We are encouraging, strengthening to help the families rise up to bear their responsibility in the Lord and in the way of life. And at the same time, as the church, we are serving them We are supporting them, supplementing them in every way we can so that the children that are growing up in our midst are healthy, balanced, proper, useful vessels in the Lord's hand. Amen? What about about these? See, there was one place where we were going to where they stopped the children's meeting altogether. I mentioned this, uh, I forget when. And what they were doing is they were focusing all of their attention to help the families build up a, a family life to meet this need. And so, of course, that's great. That's noble. That's, I don't know of any place that's doing that, where the brothers would go from house to house and would help the families to have a time with their children, to be, have a family home meeting and so forth. I thought that was fantastic. But on the other hand, I realized that, they had, that the church had stopped doing anything 
in the way of a children's meeting. And so that was positive on this side, but also quite weak on the other side. And so the point is, is that we need to be very balanced and proper. That the church should supplement whatever responsibility is there. And we should do that with a broad heart, with a great deal of love, without any kind of criticism over the families and how they are raising their children. Amen? So that's the first part of the scope, is the family. The second part of the scope is what we would call the neighborhoods, the neighborhood children's meeting. You see, for the children to grow up in a healthy children's work, it needs the scope. It needs all the aspects. There should be something at home whenever possible. And there also, whenever possible, should be something going on in the neighborhood. Once a week, open up our home to invite our children's friends over, sing a song, give them some cookies, tell them a story, preach the gospel to them. That's preaching the gospel to them. Now, if your children are growing up in this kind of a church life that has this kind of family uh, as much as possible, understanding that that's not that easy, and also a neighborhood, also understanding that that's not that easy. But, you know, saints, we're, we're believe, I believe this very much, that everywhere we go to release this kind of word, something will come out. I'm sure of it. I know that by the time I come back here next year, this word, this kind of message, and this kind of burden will be operating in many of you and will begin to uh, manifest in some ways. Now, you start to have a few of these neighborhood children's meetings going on. That is where a gospel seed is molded. It's in those neighborhood children's meetings. Because what? They're inviting their friends. Already, they're not even regenerated yet, and already they're bringing their friends in. Boy, better catch my breath. Okay, so the second part of the scope is the neighborhood. The third part is the church life. So you got the family, the neighborhood, and the church as the three parts of this scope of uh, the scope of the children's work. Tonight our outline covers the first two in the family and in the neighborhoods, and then tomorrow morning we've got mobilizing the whole church to do the work of the ch- for the children. Okay, so now uh, let's, let's go to the outline and let's again read through this. Some of these points are a repeat because we had something in the introduction. We had something on gospel seeds. Now when we come to the neighborhood children's meeting in this lesson, there's going to be some overlap. Do not worry. We'll, go, we'll cover it. All right. <clears throat> Amen. Let's all read uh, Roman 1 together. The scriptural basis of the small groups and the home meetings is the expression from house to house of Acts 2, 46 and 5, 42 on the day of Pentecost, as soon as the church was raised up on the earth, it began to meet from house to house. Amen. This is when Brother Lee spoke about an unprecedented creation 
unprecedented in the history. It was a creative act. It was a brand new thing. These are the expressions he's talking about, about house to house. And, of course, we've had in fellowship about the God-ordained way, there's been a lot of fellowship about house to house. Maybe, maybe you're like the young people. Your ears have become slippery. You said, I have heard this already. Uh, don't talk to me about house to house. I don't know how to do that or I can't do that or whatever. Anyway, let's open up. This is the ch- we're talking about the children, okay? A, to gain the increase, we need to have the home meetings. So for, this, for increase, this is a, a big gate. The home meetings is a big gate for the increase of the church. We need to have home meetings in the new believers' homes, in the homes of the, new, of the ones we gain through our preaching of the gospel. His, his word to us, somebody gets saved, immediately start a home meeting in their house. They can invite their friends, and it, just, it starts snowball effect, you know, where one after the other after the other is being gained. The way to gain the increase is through the homes. B. To bring the meetings to the homes is the very heart of the God-ordained way. It is a great failure in the Lord's recovery if we cannot bring the meetings to the homes. Then look at point C. To meet in the homes is organic. If we only have meeting hall with a definite regular schedule, this will bring the entire church into the box of organization and cause us to lose the organic ability. Isn't that serious? We have to have uh, an organic church life. Point D. How about all the brothers read point D? Meeting in the belief. You see, this is what caught our attention. Even a small boy or girl can function in a home meeting. We were scouring the ministry for any words about children or young people. And we were, you know, to compile this material. And we came across this. This is from the book called The Exercise and Practice of the God-Ordained Way. He was talking about the function of the saints. Not too long ago... Uh, we were in Irvine, where I am, we were having a fellowship about bringing the church into more of a gospel-preaching life. We were helping the saints to pass out tracts, one a day, on a, in a daily way, and also to encourage the saints to pray for their small groups to have the increase. We even were about to have a gospel in-reaping meeting for the young people, and one of our brothers uh, was telling me this, that in his home meeting, they were going around the room and the saints were bringing up names of certain ones they were burdened for. This is in their small group to pray for. And then they would pray for these names. And these were names of ones that we were hoping to bring in through the small group. Well, this brother's daughter was in that meeting. She was maybe 11 uh, at the time, maybe grade five or grade six. And they got around the room and they came to her and they said, uh, Emily, do you have anybody that you would like us to pray for? And no, no, like this. 
And in fact, then she got up and she kind of ran out of the room because she was like nervous and put on the spot. Well, about five minutes later, she came back into the room and she said, I do. I do have someone that we could pray for. Could we pray for this one? And she gave a name or two. You see, even in uh, the home meetings like this, uh, we could include the children of the saints into this kind of very organic activity. Uh, We really would like to see our children growing up in these home meetings. We've heard even the stories from Austin that the home meetings became a great salvation to the family life of the saints, that their children were recovered, their family life was sanctified. So many positive things took place in their homes because they opened up their home for a a home meeting and they began to invite the saints and the children could come into the church life in such a simple way as that. But just by seeing this statement, even a small boy or girl could function, indicates that in Brother Lee's mind, a small boy or a small girl is going to be there. What we often do is we send them into another room. We'll put a video on, turn on the TV, give them a game or do something so that they don't distract us. But here, they're in the meeting. They're functioning in the meeting. Point E, we have to realize that the way the Lord is taking to build up His church in in the believer's home is to build up the church in the believer's home. Once the church is built up in the homes, the homes will be transformed. Look at this. The children will be preserved from drifting along the current of the age. In the end, the family will become proper and normal. How about that? We can invite our relatives to the home meetings, and they will see the situation in our homes and will be touched to receive the Lord's salvation. You know, in uh, the messages that we prepared on the family of Noah, Brother Lee made a very strong point that when the church is built, the Lord will come. When the ark is built, the Lord will come. You know, there came a time at Noah's time, we fellowshiped this last night, and to come back to this story in the Old Testament about uh, the church life being the family of Noah, you realize that they were operating under a certain amount of time pressure to build the ark within the time allotted by God. And as they were building the ark, the flood could not come until the ark was built. But you know, if you go to Hebrews 11, verse 7, it tells us this, that by faith, Noah, having been divinely instructed, built an ark for the salvation of his family. And then it goes on to say, through which... He condemned the world. It was Noah building the ark that condemned the world. If Noah did not do that, the world, the flood could never come. Isn't that something? Saints, it's going to be our building up the church that's going to condemn the world and will close the age. When Noah came to the point when the last nail 
or whatever they were using, went into that ark and the ark was finished, that meant the age was finished. That meant that's it. We are in the same situation today. We are here for the building up of the church. And we're bringing our children into this building work, just like Noah did. Last night, one of the sisters was talking to me after. You know, there had to have been a moment in the life of Noah and his three sons when he had to explain to his sons what they were doing, why their life was going to be so different than everybody else's life. What their life was going to be involved with was the building of an ark. While all their friends are doing this, we're going to be doing that. And while they're having this kind of entertainment, this kind of amusement, we are doing this. Our life is that ark. Our life, everything is that ark. And maybe Noah's sons were unhappy to be part of that family. Maybe they felt it was a great suffering to be in that family. But ultimately, and I don't know how or when, I, I, maybe someday we'll find out, but Noah must have had that, moment, that conversation with his sons. Shem, Ham, Japheth, you've got to understand something. This world is over. We are building an ark. And I, I, I long for that kind of a situation when the hearts of the fathers are turned to the children, the hearts of the children are turned to the fathers, when we can have that same conversation with our children growing up in the church life. And we could put the commission and entrust this great, great thing called the Lord's recovery to the young generation. So that they understand why we don't go the way the world goes. We are involved in building the ark and building the church. And it's, this is why it has to be a church life involved. Our homes, our family life, our neighborhoods, and so forth. Alright? Let's go on to Roman 2. Go on. To, uh, how about you read Roman 2? In a family, the focus... <laughs> Okay, now we're, the first Roman numeral is on the church life is built up through the whole meetings. Roman 2 is you need to start in your own home, your own family, with a family home, with a home meeting with your family. And it, and it, uh, Brother Lee is pointing out that in a family, you don't have classes. You don't make the children sit down and you give them lectures like a school teacher. No, the way a family raises the children is altogether different. You raise them and you teach them as life is rolling, as things are moving. Now they have to learn how to tie their shoes. Now they have to learn how to dress themselves. Now they have to learn how to comb their own hair and brush their own teeth. As things are going on, you don't give them a, a classroom lecture with a chalkboard. Here is a toothbrush. Here is your teeth. Do this, you know. You don't teach it like that. You teach it by doing, by, by being with them. You're nurturing them and fostering them. Saints, 
The teaching in the children's work and the children's meeting should be just like that. It should be like teaching in a family, not teaching in a classroom. Okay. Their growth is not mainly in knowledge. It is primarily a growth in life. As children grow in life, they spontaneously receive more education. Concerning this matter, we in the Lord's recovery must have a change in our concept. Do not think that in the recovery we regard work higher than life. No, we need to concentrate on life. Uh, you know, we need to, I need to find that quote because there's <clears throat> about having a change in concept. We in the Lord's recovery. This is on a section called Changing in Our Concept to Concentrate on Life. Uh, this goes back to the life study of First and Second Thessalonians. When, uh, let's see, the first part is cut off. No, no, there it is. It's right in the section before. Uh, okay, you see the section before, raising them by cherishing, nourishing, and fostering children growing in life. You see that? Look at the paragraph. According to what he says in chapter 2, Paul regards the believers as members of a large family. Of course, in a family, there's the need for some amount of teaching, both a mother and a father teach their children. However, in a family, the focus is not on teaching the children, but on raising them by cherishing, nourishing, and fostering them so that they may grow. Their growth is not mainly in knowledge. It is primarily a growth in life. As children grow in life, they spontaneously receive more education. The knowledge they acquire always goes along with their growth in life. They should not be given knowledge prematurely. This means that their knowledge should not exceed their growth in life. This is the proper concept of Christian work. Then the paragraph, uh, I mean, the next paragraph starts concerning this matter. And this has to do with premature knowledge and about teaching. We in the Lord's recovery must have a change in our concept. We do not regard work higher than life. Okay, well, anyway. Let's continue. Uh, Point C. To nurture children means to bring them up, to raise them by nourishing them. Raising children requires that the parents give them the needed instruction related to human life, family life, and social life. Um, For proper human living in your house or your home, you must teach your children to behave properly Do not say that ethical teachings are apart from Christ and therefore worthless. Here we come back to this point about proper humanity. Really, this is something that can only be done in the family life and in the homes. In the church life, we can supplement a little bit, but the real training is in the family life. I hesitate to share this example with you because it involves me. Uh, but, and some of you may, and so you have to forgive me because I'm not, anyway, uh, let me tell you this story. Um, this was when I was in high school. Actually, my wife is here. We were in school together at a Mennonite Christian high school in Central California. And so there was about 200 students there. They should have all been believers. And a certain 
um, trend began to take place in the school where there was some vandalism that was taking place, where some of the kids were destroying the school property, da you know, just really uh, damaging, uh, just absolutely destroyed a piano. I mean, expensive uh, damage into a private school. This kind of damage was very costly. My dad, and I think even my wife's dad, was involved in the, the board, the school board. It had a big board of directors, and they would meet from time to time. And in the board meeting, while this was taking place, uh, the board members were asking the principal, how could this happen? You know, like us, you know, we're just this righteous indignation. How could this happen in our midst? You know, well, it's their kids, you know, that are doing this. But anyway, sorry, and, and uh, without uh, putting too much blame, o often when we talk about these matters of proper humanity, we, yeah, we're looking around, yeah, the situation is really bad. My point is we, we need to consider ourselves. And uh, so they were discussing this. Who's doing this? How, how come you don't know who's doing this? This is a Christian high school. Won't they tell you if you ask them? Can't you just ask them and they'll tell you? And then the principal, he said this. He said, there's only two people in this school that would tell me if I asked them. Joe Getz and Tom Getz. He said this. It was like, of course, I didn't, I didn't know this. I, I com actually, I'd heard this when I was in high school because my dad, of course, he went home and he told us. But I had forgotten about this until... My brother, my older brother Joe, who recently or in a few years ago had passed away, and my younger brother repeated this story. I had completely forgotten. But the fact is this, is that some of us were really indoctrinated, really ingrained with being proper citizens, just proper citizens. You have to be different from everybody else. You cannot be the same. You have to be different. They go this way, you go that way. And we have to be able to put this into all of our kids, that they'll stand up, that they will stand for what they believe. They will not be ashamed of who they are and for what they believe. This can only be fostered in the homes. This is very difficult for us to come and do later when they're 15 or 16 years old, when they already have 10 or 15 years going one direction for those of us who serve with the young people, to try to reverse that is almost impossible. We cannot put that into them. It has to be fostered in them from their youth, from their infancy. And uh, anyway, just again, maybe to make the point, but again, sorry uh, to talk about myself. Okay, Romans 3. Now we come to your home meeting. Let's read Romans 3 all together. We need to open up our home. Just start a home meeting with your family. You know, you say, well, I need uh, some other saints. No, you don't. You just, you're, you're, you're a saint. You have a spouse that's also a saint. Just start. You have two kids. <clears throat> Have two home meetings a day, one in the morning and one in the evening. This is Brother Nee's fellowship. The father should lead the morning time and the mother should lead the evening time. 
In the morning, have a little time together before the children go to school. Your meeting should be short, living, and never long. Perhaps ten minutes is enough. The evening meeting should be a little longer, and the mother should lead it. She must learn to bring out the things that are in her children's hearts. Feed them according to their capacity. Everything must be done in a very natural way. You can read the excerpt. Brother Nee goes into quite a bit of detail. It's, to me, it's just amazing. Uh, uh, in the morning, just read even a par- part of a verse, a portion of a verse. Pray with them. Send them off to school. That was in the evening. The mother should sit with them, listen to them, have them talk. And if the mother cannot draw out what's in the hearts of their children, then there must be something wrong. There must be a, a, yeah. And you have to bring them out. Then you help them to pray. Don't force them. No pretense. Don't make them pretend. you know, very natural. Brother, Brother Nee's fellowship, it's in here. Hopefully you'll have time to read it. Uh, point B, to set up a meeting will stir up our heart and will fan the flame in our heart and in our spirit. First of all, we will be burned and then our family will be burned. To set up a home meeting, we will keep out many evil things from our homes. The meetings in the believers' homes can be a fruitful testimony to the neighbors around And they could provide an opportunity for witness and gospel preaching. Many who are not willing to go to a church will be glad to go to a private house. And the influence is most helpful for the families of the Christians. From from early days, the children will be surrounded by a spiritual atmosphere and will have constant opportunity to see the reality of eternal things. Very good. So his point is this, start a home meeting yourself with your family, or if you're already in a home meeting, you need to fellowship with your group about how to bring the young people and the children. You know, okay, there's a question in here about this. How do you keep the children there for two hours? You have the home meeting till 9 o'clock at night. I would never suggest that you keep the children in the home meeting till 9 o'clock at night. When you're bringing children into this, and even in the young people into this, you do it according to their capacity. Their capacity might be that this week they want to sit next to you and sing. Then let them sit next to you and sing. In the next week, they may want to sit there a little longer than that. Then that's fine. Or they may not want to sit there longer than that. And they may want to run into the other room and color or do something. That's fine. We don't force them. We don't restrict them. We just are bringing them into a family culture. You know, in a family, that's how it is. The little ones are coming and going, and you're having a time. But if your children are too wild or too noisy, then you need to make some arrangement so that you can take care of them. Part of the meeting may be to sing some children's songs to include them, But, you know, the saints also need some nourishment. And there needs to be something solid in that meeting. It cannot be just children's songs week after week. So if the children are are too uh, energetic and they can't sit there, then you need to make some arrangement to take care of the children so that the saints in the home meeting 
can continue. Our view should always be to do something for the long term. If it's going to work only for this week and next week, and it burns out saints in the process, that's not going to work. It's got to be something that is workable for the long run. The, the center of the children's of the home meeting does not necessarily need to be the shouldn't be the children because we're talking about the church life. We're, this is a church life, and the children need to enter into a kind of church life, but they, that's not all about about them. So there has to be a real balance there so that we could take care of the children in a good way. They don't become a big... Because I know some of your families are pretty big, and then the children come, and it's more children than anything else. So then the core members have to fellowship and come up with a, uh, a, a good workable kind of plan to accommodate that kind of a situation. But, you know, our, our real burden is to bring people into the church life through our homes. Okay? Where are we? Point four? Roman four? Okay, go ahead. Re- read Roman four. In our name. Okay, this is a point we had this morning. Uh, not all these points, but that one was. Through the children, many homes will be open for the church to evangelize. This is the community work. These are the warm doors and the parents will welcome us. We talked about that. Although people today are occupied by many things and it seems as if they are not open to the gospel, the best way to overcome this is to have a children's meeting in, your own, in our own home. Amen. Uh, many times parents are saved through their children, so do not overlook the children's work. Every household should preach the gospel. It is very meaningful when the whole family rises up and preaches the gospel. After the children get back, uh, get home from school, the elderly saints may open their home and prepare some snacks to welcome them. Then they can sing with the children, tell them stories, and lead them to know God. Gaining people in this way is very safe because they are taught by us and receive the gospel from us from their youth. Thus, they should be very solid. I think all of these points are similar to what we had in our gospel seeds outline. Okay, so maybe there's no need to uh, labor on that too much. I think we had one more point uh, from, from this morning. Okay. Uh, anyway, let me just uh, come back to this uh, matter of the scope of the children's work being in our families, in the neighborhoods, and in the, uh, in the church life. Um, if you only have one of these, just the church life, then the children are going to grow up in a very unbalanced way. If it's just in the home and not in the church life and in the neighborhood, it's likewise unbalanced. The best is if all three of these areas, the children can be involved in some aspect of all three of these. Now, I realize that in many churches, this is just maybe the first time we've heard it. It's not going to take, I mean, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's not that easy to 
to change this right away. This is why uh, the, the responsible brothers, the ones who are taking the lead, need to come together and pray. And I would urge any of the sisters who have been uh, stirred up or encouraged by this kind of fellowship, they should gather together in groups and pray for this. Pray for this kind of change of the system, a change in, in the way that we carry out our work with the children. We have been proposing that we don't need a radical change, but that we do need a fundamental change. But this change may take between five and ten years to work out. Uh, that doesn't mean that we don't start. It just means that for us to achieve the final destination, to turn this kind of ship around, it will take some endeavoring and, and a little bit of time. So I hope, I really hope and pray that in the coming years, in all the churches, another kind of crop will be growing up. A different generation will be emerging out of and in the local churches. These will be a kind of humanity like we read in the book of Daniel. Young people who can stand in the king's presence. They have knowledge, insight. They have a good appearance. How much, how much does a good appearance matter? In humanity, it matters to have a good appearance. Don't, you know, we shouldn't consider that to be a small or a light thing. Uh, look at the young people today. It's rare that you find young people with a good appearance, a proper appearance. They dress themselves in a normal, healthy, proper way. They conduct themselves in a kingly, upright manner. And they're not going along with the crowd. They're not in that kind of current. Uh, I believe at the end of this age, this is going to be uh, maybe our most difficult yet our grandest accomplishment would be in raising up and preparing for the Lord a people made ready for Him. Amen? Well, maybe that's good enough for this, for this message. We've got now our three pillars. The goal is the seeds of the gospel. The proper humanity is the purpose. And when we say the church life, now we're talking about the scope. It's the family life or the family. It's the neighborhood. And it is the church life or the church. church the children's meeting in the church. Amen? Are you absolutely clear?